No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. Long distance runner, what you standing there for? Get, get out up, to get fire out. on the mountain. Go get yourself something to eat. You got family coming into town. You're sitting there staring at a big bowl of old mashed potatoes and stuffing laying on the table. Or you tired of cooking for 19 people in the house. Best thing to do if you live in Denver or Portland is go jump in your little automobile and go over to fire on the mountain. Yeah, let's do the cooking over. for you. Yeah. And they got specials at each of the locations. At the Burnside location, they got a Caribbean style pulled pork, dill pickle and provolone cheese stuffed into a torta bun. Hmm. And serve with your choice of a side. They also have these amazing garlic parmesan fries. Serve with a side of garlic parmesan aioli. Mm. And then the Fremont location has the meatball sub. Meatball sub. House-made pork and beef meatballs and a house marinara, mozzarella, pepperoncinis, and parsley. Served with, with your choice of a side. And then my favorite, the blue cheese stuffed mushrooms. Mushrooms. Fried to a crispy golden brown in their beer batter and served with a side of sweet chili aioli. What's Interstate got going on? Well, now? the Interstate's got, um, they're bringing back by popular demand the blue cheese fried mushrooms Ooh. and the fried slice of New York style cheesecake. Wait, what? A what? Fried slice of New York style cheesecake. Fried slice of New York <laughs> style cheesecake, cheesecake. Yeah. drizzled oh. with your choice of passion fruit, jalapeno sauce, or chocolate sauce. Dang. I mean, come on. Seriously, after all that turkey cook and all that stuff, you're going to be tired of that. You want something different. Let's go to Fire on the Mountain. Check it out, you guys. And here's the deal. Three locations in Portland, two in Denver to serve you. If you're not in one of those places and we just made you really hungry, don't be sad. Go to PortlandWings.com. Grab yourself some of that sauce cook it up you got the experience at home so go to portlandwings.com or at f-o-t-m on instagram you can see pictures of all this stuff you're gonna love it fire on the mountain you lost an hour or wait you gained an hour wait which is it we fell fall back, back. Fall back. An hour. that's right and you know what shop tour bus gained some reprints they reprinted <laughs> their row jimmy their china cat sunflower and their i know you rider tees and hoodies it won't cure but it definitely will help yeah. Those seasonal blues that you get. When you get a new crisp tea or a nice warm hoodie for the season, you really can up your attitude game. The, yeah. <laughs> and who who would have thought that ordering clothing from Shop Tour Bus would help your attitude? Well, it helps your attitude because when you get whatever you ordered, you are going to get fun little extras, possibly even 
a bootleg. What were you going to say, Apple? You looked like you had something on the tip of your tongue you wanted to say there for a second. No. I was just looking. I was I was actually I was looking at these. I realized I need a row Jimmy shirt because I'm a Jimmy. You definitely right. need that, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, you know what? When you order yours, and it is the holiday time for that Grateful Dead fan in your family or a Grateful Dead adjacent human being that you know and love that you need something for, go to shoptourbus.com. When you order it, you're going to get it in a hand-designed box. Beautiful box. It's got it all over print of one of their designs on it. Like Mel said, it's got all those extras, and it might even have a bootleg in there for you, a real cassette tape bootleg. So go to shoptourbus.com or at shoptourbus on Instagram. Make sure when you check out, you put in the promo code no, no simple, simple road, road, all one word. And you are going to get free shipping because you and they are part of the No Simple Road family. Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspy, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. Hey now, No Simple Road family, what's up? It's Aaron. And Mel. And Apple. I've caught the Mel, the, the Mel disease of singing in the beginning of the show. I mean, who doesn't like a nice little sing-song name yeah, here I and there? It's I, I like Aaron, man. You know, you know what I actually did on the way home? What because you did? Because just switching stations, here we go. It's the beginning of November. 
and the Christmas Carol stations are already on. You are Santa Claus. Oh, yeah, maybe they're out. only and on in your the car. Jackson Five fucking singing "Here Comes Santa Claus" like in the Jackson Five. When style you listen they to, did. to "Here Comes Santa Claus," does it make you feel like it's like your personal theme music as yeah. you drive down the freeway? Yes, it does. Do you feel yeah. like you're being called? Yes, I actually kind of <laughs> feel like I'm on the. I was on the 26 driving home, and I felt like I was in a sleigh. Right on. And and the traffic doesn't bother me as much and stuff. So anyway, this week on No Simple Road <laughs> is something really cool, man. Yeah. You guys are going to enjoy this. It's Justin Cucci. He is a restaurateur, Woo. entrepreneur, Grateful Dead fan, member of the Grateful Dead family, amazing human being, and taker an, care of his employees, yeah. um, it, food genius. What what else? Help me out, I had, guys. Uh, yeah. That... That, that kind of covers it. He's a I father. Mean, he's oh, he's yeah, a husband. Husband and father. Uh, author of his own cookbook. Did you throw that in there? Oh, yeah, author of his own cookbook. Yeah, that's and true. And the sweetest guy you will see after this interview. Yeah, and he's got so much going on. He has five restaurants in the Denver area right now with Linger, Root Down, Vital Root, L5, and Ophelia's. And he has a really awesome website, ediblebeats.com. And it talks about all his endeavors. You can buy the cookbook there. You can book a party, make reservations. Order. You can order Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's pretty dope. And if you just look at all of the restaurants, they're in such gorgeous locations in these beautifully refurbished, remodeled, uh, sophisticated, like the gastro brothel of Ophelia's. Um, the Linger, Vital Root. So there's just... Yeah, Linger was a mortuary, yeah. which you'll hear all about that story. And Take, o- Ophelia's was a brothel. A brothel. Yeah, and, and kind of like the same idea what McMenamins does here by taking these old buildings and like rehabbing them and turning them into something beautiful. And then what he does is like pairs the the food with music and what you eat is an experience it's more than like a meal and what were you saying about that lady that you talked to today that that she ate at linger uh we we're just talking about food and then i was talking about the, this interview coming out and she she goes oh if you're you're up in denver talking about food because she's from up there she said i ate at linger and it was one of the best dining experiences i've ever had well and then i worked with a coworker who just moved from denver and i was talking to her about our our talk with justin and she was like, oh, yeah, Root Down is huge. I love Root Down because she was a server, not at his restaurants, but just in the industry and knowing about these incredible restaurants. So he's definitely got a, a reputation of having an amazing atmosphere and like, you know, kind of a place to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I've been really blown away lately because we've been branching out with the type of guests that we're getting on No Simple Road. Like, It's not just musicians anymore. Well, it never really was just musicians, but lately we've been doing more of other stuff and I'm continually blown away by the way that music overlaps into everybody's life and every part of their life and has changed and created uh, careers for people and set them on the course that they're on. And like, it's like, like with Justin, the, his love of music has infused everything that he's done to the point where his LLCs that he's made are named after Steely Dan songs. And like, <laughs> I mean, it's. And well, think if like you go to get something to eat, 
chances are that food was made with um, music around it or it's being served with music in the background. True. Yeah. I That's mean, al- it's always some part of the meal in some kind of a way. Right. And when you have a music lover that's and, creating these restaurants, he's doing an incredible thing with that infusion. And the other thing that really struck me about Justin was, and I don't even know that we talked about this, but I was thinking about it afterwards is like, you know, when I was on the road with the dead, one of the things that really, um, that I loved about being in a part of that community that I love about being part of that community is the feeling of family and how people take care of each other. And like, if you're, if you're in the lot and you're hungry, you can get something to eat without much money. Or like, if you're having trouble inside a show, people are there to check on you and that kind of stuff. And he has actually like translated that into how he cares for his employees that work in his, his, um, restaurants. And like, you'll, you'll hear all about that here in a few minutes, but it just, that, ethos of the grateful dead family of the the wider musical community of family and caring for each other has has gone into that with him and yeah. that's dope and that's, yeah it covers like all the like, like a music lover a drink and food lover and a people lover yeah it's and, it, and it's <laughs> and he's like, incorporated that into everything he does and it's not just some bullshit lip service it's like no, no this this cat is like making changes that, yeah. are, that are affecting the food industry. And like this kind of story, you don't hear stories of success like this this often. I mean, you, like you'll hear it in here. Most people don't go in and open these fantastic restaurants about every nine months to a year. Yeah, working on something while you're working on something while you're working on something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and totally fine with it. Yeah. And this was one of those conversations that we had that when it ended, I was sad that it was over. And I wanted to keep hanging out with him. And I can't wait till we get the opportunity to meet Justin in person and hang out and have a meal at one of his restaurants. Yeah, like, I, like I said, I say it in here. I'm exci- <laughs> always excited to go to Denver to go see a show at Red Rocks or Dick's or something. I can't wait to go there to go eat at all the restaurants. Oh, and podcast live from Ophelia's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and my favorite, if you're, if you're a food, foodie, like most of us are, you go, each of his restaurants have their own Instagrams and websites. You can go see all the beautiful pictures of these, of this food. L5, we even said to him is the one I want to start with because they have the seafood paella and other dishes that, I mean, everything looks so amazing. Yeah. I mean, got to go check out all this food. You guys are really, really going to enjoy this one. And if you live in the Denver area and you haven't frequented or at least gone to one of these places, now you know. Yeah, start Go your check little uh, five-day journey. One new restaurant each day. Oh, my gosh. That'd but be fun. At, at the end of it, go buy new pants a size larger. That's what I want to do. I'll go up there for a week. <laughs> Let's do <laughs> fit it. Fit in a little music in between the food, you know. Cool. Let's uh, fit in the business, and then we'll get them to the interview. How's that sound? That sounds good. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at No Simple Road. Go to www.nosimpleroad.com. You can get No Simple Road merch there. You can get a tarot reading from Mel and I. That's you can right. Sign up there. Oh, we have somebody that signed up for a tarot reading, and I need to talk to you about it. I forgot, and I'm just telling you so that you right can remind on. me when we're done. 
Um, Yay. Yeah. Yay. Be like that person. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> Do if it. you don't know what to get somebody for Christmas, that's some uh, really unique, amazing, rad Yeah, because Christmas it's gift. not just something that's in one ear out the other. We send you a playlist with the Grateful Dead uh, tarot deck. We send you pictures of all of the cards. We send you a synopsis of the reading and the recording of it. So you can go back, listen to it, and be reignited by the information. Yep, that's right. We're selling it's tarot fun. readings. It's cool. You yeah. should check it out. Um, that's you, how you make a living. You sell stuff. It's true. Or go you to, provide services. Or you go to patreon.com forward right. slash no simple road and you sign up as a patron for the no simple road crew here. You yeah. can sign up for as little as a buck a month and then we get to keep doing the show. Yeah. Like we always say, a buck doesn't sound like a lot. <laughs> and, you know, since it doesn't sound like a lot, give us a buck. And that's what just, puts gas in the tank. That's what keeps the tires going. Yeah. That's what helps us get on the road, go to festivals, get out there, get to your neighborhood. Keep the lights and on. And it makes us all smile. Keep spreading the love. That's right. And if you want to do something that doesn't cost anything, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review, not a two-star. And you can actually... beyond that, you can go over there and you can leave a review. And guess what? This is November. It is now the torch has been passed from Mel to Aaron. It is Aaron's birthday month as well as Jasper's. Jasper's birthday (gasps) is tomorrow. guess what? We got a Tuesday. We got a review. Aaron got a birthday month review. Would you like to read it? It's short and sweet and I love what it says. It's from Soulshine Help on Tuesday. Genuine. Let the passion of your genuine heart rock and roll. Oh, boom. boom. That's, That's a, what I'm talking about. You don't have to leave a pair. I mean, we love a paragraph or two or three, but we also love short and to the point of what makes you feel good about what we do. Oh, that's a fucking sweet review. Yeah. You know, our family is paying attention and I just really want to say thank you to everybody who gets our inside jokes, acknowledges them and, you know, participates with us in we're living real life here. Yeah. Like this is our real life. And for those of y'all that participate with us, that's, send us messages and just do uh, thank you we love you i am so grateful for it i'm grateful that i get to have that part of my life and we're super stoked that we have the the honor of doing this and being able to hang out with you and you know i was thinking the other day about inside jokes like you just said people that get our inside jokes if we ever interview i'm sorry i'm gonna back that up when we finally interview trey (laughs) <laughs> the first question I'm going to ask him is how does it feel to have made a 40 year career on inside jokes? <laughs> like for real it fish is the biggest inside joke ever. It, it has to be the largest inside joke ever. And so I would like no simple road to become the second largest inside joke ever. And I'm glad that there's people participating with our inside jokes. Definitely. <laughs> that was my point. All right. Anyway. Well, and then the other thing you could do too is call that tepid line yeah. at 971-808-1524. That number again is 971-808-1524. And on the tepid line, you can do, our latest ask has been for, to, to you know, try to work on pulling this cookbook together to share recipes. It's a slow we, process. We got a handful. We, we, need, we need more. It, I mean, like we said, it's holiday season. We know everybody's got things up their sleeves. A grandma's old recipe, a mom, a your new recipe. Throw those at us or just go on there. It's open mic. Give us a show review, a trip report, a joke, a story. What You basically do whatever. You could just call up 
and ramble. It, all of you out there, I know that somebody listening was at the Trey and Goose show. I know it. I, I feel it in my bones. One of you that was there, Erica, I'm talking to you or somebody else, call us up and give us a review of that Trey and Goose show because I listened to the Goose set today. And it was freaking phenomenal. The freaking phenomenal. Freaking, freaking phenomenal. Freaking phenomenal. Um, yeah, man. And you know what? That's it. I think that's the business. That's it. Let's get them to this awesome interview yeah, with Justin because they're going to really We got love everything it. other than the last thing we ask you to do is do the easiest thing yeah, of all and open friend. your mouth and tell somebody you love about us. That's right. That's the easiest way to spread the mycelial network of No Simple Road. And Start hey, with this episode. If you're working at Linger, Root Down, L5, Ophelia's, one of those places, and you're listening to this, welcome to the family for the first time. Hey, we love you. We look forward to seeing you someday. Yeah. And Justin, <laughs> thanks for coming on the yeah, show, man. Thank anytime you so much. Yes. You have something you want to talk about or promote anytime you come to Portland. No Simple Road is here for you, brother. We love you. So now everybody. Saying if you want, you may maybe come down to Portland and look at opening a restaurant here. I would be a supporter. That's for yeah. sure. That <laughs> <laughs> will be there opening night with his bib on. Uh-huh. Without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you Justin Coochie. All right. Justin, How are you guys? I'm good, man. I'm Aaron. Aaron, Justin, nice to meet you. And Pleasure. my name is Mel. Nice to meet you, Justin. Thanks Mel, for being likewise. on. Yeah. And then on the third one here, I'm Apple. And thank you for joining third, us. Third one, Apple? Nice. Yes. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, man. It, you know, No Simple Road is typically a, well, there's nothing typical, but most of the time we're doing musicians and, and stuff like that. And uh, we've had a couple of, of chefs on the show. And I have to say, man, I was really excited to talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. Really, really excited. Um, Very cool. Nice to be in a show that doesn't normally have restaurateurs or chefs. So, and as a big music fan, that's a, that's an honor. Yeah, man. I mean, the, the crossover is evident with you. It's, uh, you know, it's infused in everything you do, the music and, and, uh, and your food. It's, We've just spent the morning like perusing your menus and, and we're really starving now. Yeah, yeah we're all <laughs> hungry. They all said I am ravenous. I did, I did say to go that. Eat after the this. The smoothie wasn't enough this morning. <laughs> yeah, we need in- interstate DoorDash or something like that. <laughs> they haven't figured that out yet, but I'm sure they will yeah. soon enough. <laughs> but can you can you tell the people that are listening a little bit about who you are and and what we're doing here? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. As you mentioned, lifelong music lover, I think food and music, um, sort of are interchangeable for what's more important at the moment, but you know, edible beats is kind of about celebrating both. And sometimes the music is secondary because we're a restaurant group. So yeah, um, I'm originally uh, from New York and lived there for a bunch of years and made my way out to Denver and was lucky enough to open a restaurant out here called Root Down, uh, an homage to the Beastie Boys song and the Jimmy Smith original jazz song, um, and started just a small restaurant there that I thought was going to be the end of my journey, um, and then was lucky enough to kind of collaborate with a lot of great people who immediately um, sort of were drawn to that restaurant and that concept, and then the city of Denver seemed to embrace it with like open arms, which I was not expecting as a native New Yorker who came out here and thought I'd be the outcast, Um, but it just was really embraced. And so then I was lucky enough to go on and open about five other restaurants. So we have six (laughs) restaurants in the group right now. Wow. Why Denver? 
Uh, you know, I feel like I had lived in the East Coast most of my life with a very sort of closed off mentality about what happened between the coasts, right. which is a, a you know, cornfields and mediocrity. That's what I thought. I was wrong. And so um, <laughs> after living in New York and being overwhelmed after 27 years there yeah. in Manhattan, it was just overwhelming. Um, there was a disconnect for me for coming to my 30s and feeling disconnected from things, which is what New York is great for, to keep you disconnected. You don't have to participate if you don't want to. Right. And so I was just a little disenfranchised. And so then I wanted to move to Boulder, but it got to Boulder and it was so expensive. And so I ended up just without even visiting Denver, just moved right to Denver. Um, and I felt I went from overwhelmed in New York. And then I had actually lived in Key West for about seven years, which I was very underwhelmed with. Okay. I felt perfectly whelmed in Denver <laughs> for all the right reasons. The whelming was good. Yeah, it was great whelming. A matching of whelms. <laughs> you never hear whelm like that. It's either under or over, but right. I was like, I felt whelmed here. Yeah. Right. That's that's, so was it the people? Was it the environment? Was it like a mixture of both? The like, music scene? Yeah. What, what was it about it that whelmed you perfectly? Um, you know, I was probably at a point in my life when I wanted to be able to have more than just the bare minimum in terms of like, whether it's a parking spot or grass <laughs> for your kids and dogs, which I had at the time. Yeah. And um, that's not a reason to move here. But I will say that I, I chose a neighborhood here called Highlands, which is right outside the city. And it felt like Brooklyn to Manhattan in like the late eighties, early nineties. So it was really in its infancy for people who didn't want to live in the city or couldn't afford to live in the city. They lived in Highlands here. And so I was really drawn to the neighborhood because I felt, man, there's like a resurgence here. It's so close to the city. So I really like the low high, which is the nickname somebody came up with for this neighborhood. I really love the low high vibe. Um, it just felt like up and coming and the people is probably what drew me here and the the beautiful mountains. I mean, yes. to live in the city, you, you live on this island and pretty much there's no, you know, since at least when I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s, there was no sense of, um, you know, nature. You had yeah. to travel far and wide. But here in Denver, you know, in 15 minutes, you could be in the foothills, you could be enjoying the mountains. Um, but ultimately, it's the people. They just really felt so warm and genuine and um it was just nice. It was nice to break out of a shell that I had a protective shell coating. I've had <laughs> yeah. For so long. yeah. And you know, the thing for us is like the Denver represents a Mecca for the music scene. And, um, it's so robust. It, it, there's so, so much going on in, in Denver musically. And, for somebody like you that I read that it was uh, James Brown, Steely Dan, and the Grateful Dead, right? Yep. The, That's the, the trilogy. The, the trinity, <laughs> yeah. That it makes sense for you to be doing what you're doing there to me um, as, a, as an onlooker and, and a fan of yours. Like, it, it makes sense. But what I want to know, man, is like how you decided that like, the music was going to be infused with the food in the way that you've done it. Well, I will say I didn't realize how cool Denver was musically until I was maybe here for a little bit. That's mm. not what was maybe one or two for me moving out here. I really thought it was going to be a harder music scene or a more, you know, a less robust music scene. But as you mentioned, it's a great hub of so many things and so many styles of music. So that was a, a really great thing to discover. Uh, I think the process of infusing the music 
uh, or just musical influences, whether it's, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but every one of my um, LLCs, you know, you have to name the company for the government right. to collect taxes. And every one of our LLCs uh, I named after a Steely Dan lyric or a song. <laughs> and so I immediately like yes. felt like I wanted to infuse that as just like a funny, sarcastic nod to each restaurant. I guess I'll say it was an organic process. Okay. It was something that, um, you know, I feel like m- musically, I think like that and all the bands that I love for different reasons are part of my process. I think when you become like a really full blown music lover, you, you, you have it sort of, um, you know, become part of your DNA, whether it's the way you are socially, mm-hmm. whether it's the humor you have or the way that what I discovered was the way I wanted to collaborate. I didn't want to be a, you know, let's just say a Bob Dylan, I wanted to be the Beatles, you know, even with the push pull of the frictions and all the complex relationships that comes with bands, or dare I say, let's say the Grateful Dead, you know, where something is just so collaborative that you can make more magic from, you know, five people or 10 people than you can with one or two. And so I think once that creative process sort of took hold and I realized that, excuse me, no, you're good. The collaboration part of food and plus so many people in their, restaurant industry love music it felt like we had this common another common ground besides just food it was this love of music Mm. and so then it just felt like a freedom like we can give homage to this and we can make this part of our restaurants both in the 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 sort of experience it could be part of our our leadership culture and the way we want to lead people and the way we want to collaborate and it can be part of just the culture of sort of um you know the the restaurant, I guess, for, dare I say. Right. <clears throat> it, it, it's a, what you've done and what you're doing is very um, inspiring and unique in that you, well, let me back up. I've worked in the restaurant industry when I was younger. Apple yeah, has yeah. also worked in the restaurant Ve- industry. Vegas, baby. Vegas, oh. yeah. Oh, boy. And, and it's That's a, a scene. It's, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It, it's, <laughs> not to put too fine a point on, it's a motherfucker, man. Like, it it chews people up a lot of the time and spits them out. It's very unforgiving. It's, it's militaristic in the kitchen sometimes. It's rough and mm-hmm. dangerous. Dangerous and all that stuff. And what you are doing in how you are caring for your Mm. employees as family is really um next level kind of gets me choked up man like that that's something special justin and and i i I mean i i have an idea but can you tell us a little bit about that how that started and why and yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, man. For that was a lot of really kind words, and um, <clears throat> you know, I had grown up in the restaurant industry, so I feel like I have a large swatch swatch of um, sort of a relationship with the industry through all its phases, and it definitely has all the things you mentioned from militaristic. It has also sort of a culture, less so now, luckily, of just using things, whether it's using people using um, products, using its community in, in not a great way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, somebody once joked with me, is like, man, it's like knowing you is like kind of, and this was when I lived in New York early on, like, it's like knowing Tony Soprano. I'm like, what do you mean? I, what, what do I do? That's terrible. It's like just the restaurants, you just use everything and then you spit it out because oh, Tony Soprano is a big user. Right. Oh. And I, that stuck with me. That was something that's like, man, I want to feel like that. I don't want to live with that, like, you know, weight on my shoulder. So I think number one, growing up in a family restaurant, 
um, I think we were more aware than most of how to not do that, how to have a familiar culture, even though I think that maybe has, uh, you know, everybody uses, hey, our culture is like a family. So it, it feels disingenuous now. But um, when I grew up in my grandparents' restaurant, we had people there, you know, both our chefs were there for over 40 years. We had some servers that were there for 20 years. So I feel like we were doing something right. And those seeds were sort of implanted in me. And so when I moved out here, especially, um, I really felt a deeper responsibility for the people that make the restaurants work. It doesn't matter whose idea or who pays the bills or who borrows the money. It only works if everybody in that restaurant is appreciated and feels like they have a sense of sometimes silent ownership, which I think I always wanted to create. But that idea of like, how do we take it a step further? How do we give it from silent ownership to active ownership? Or mm. how do we do it so there's actually another way that people can feel a connection to this and feel like they are vested as owners? And um, as I was getting older, all my advisors were like, you need an exit strategy, you need a, a legacy plan and all things that I had never thought of in my life. <laughs> and when I looked at the options, they all just had no, you know, they didn't appeal to me. I felt such a responsibility to Denver because I feel like I was in the right place at the right time. And I was really, you know, we wouldn't have grown if the city of Denver wasn't so embracing both by the people who live here, but also the city lent me money at times and I got SBA loans. And I was really fortunate to have a really healthy financial path to ownership. A lot of people have multiple investors and multiple, um, you know, sort of partners and everything. And I was lucky enough not to have any of that. So I guess when I was trying to figure out what to do, the word ESOP got floated around and I had really no idea what that was. And after doing some due diligence, I felt like, boy, talk about the win-win. Talk about something where it's not an act per se of just like, you know, charitable, like I'm giving this to my employees, right? Because then like, then the person who, you know, put a lot of those things in wouldn't win. But it felt like, man, I can win if I can align my life to it all my employees can win. And then I thought there was a third win, which was the guest wins from this. Because if we have a more, um, you know, sort of bought in staff, if we're able to be more financially responsible because of that, then they don't have to pay, let's say, as high prices as another restaurant, they get better value. And then of course they get more hospitality and more connectedness. Yes. So when I read about ESOPs, I was like, wow, this is an amazing vehicle. But, um, and, if I'm going too long, feel free to Justin, cut me off. Oh, no, no, man. I'm Justin, this is a, a, a podcast. We are eating this up. <laughs> we want to hear all your stories, man. Okay. I'm, I'm taking notes. So it looks like I'm writing, but I am taking notes. So. <laughs> all good. Okay, good. Well, if I do get that point, just stop me. But no, no. And right before COVID, we had finally reached this pinnacle of like success that all startups get to. We were very grassroots and we got to this point where like, we have our shit together. We have this leadership team. Our sales were at the highest they were, and they had just been climbing. And we felt like, wow, we can really do something incredible here. And the ESOP was that. I just thought, number one, I don't know of any restaurant groups, maybe there's two or three out there that have become an ESOP. And I thought, what a great way to make a statement, to be innovative about not saying we're going to take care of people by having healthcare or you know, 401k, which of course we have both of those. But how do we go deeper and actually show that we care about the industry in actions? And the ESOP felt like a real... You know, it felt like a great risk, but then COVID came along um, and everything fell apart. I really thought at that point, working all these years to something that I felt mm. was this end game because um, banks would no longer lend me and restaurant people money. And the valuation of the restaurant was in jeopardy because of 
COVID, right? They didn't know if you were going to survive and all sales were decimated. So I really thought that was the end of it. And luckily, um, you know, we come out of COVID, government gives money to sustain a bunch of businesses, including mine. And uh, I found that after that, that we were still able to do the ESOP. We would just have to get really creative to do it. There was no bank that was going to lend money. And that's usually the crux of an ESOP. A bank comes in and lends money to the employees who then pay that to the owner. And I hold like a note. And then over time, the rest of the note gets paid. So it's like a down payment. But because nobody would lend money and because I was so committed to this ESOP idea and felt like the people who had come on this journey, I felt even more indebted to them, even more gratitude for the people who are still here going through COVID. And we lost a lot of people. Mm, I bet. Um, And so then the the option became, well, a bank's not going to lend money, so you're not going to get anything in the beginning, but you can do it like like an owner carry of a house, right? You have the mortgage per se, and the restaurant Mm -hmm. just pays you off. And that's ultimately the win for me is like, it wasn't important for me to get a, a payout. I wanted to be involved. I'm still there every day. I still feel like if you were there pre ESOP and post ESOP, very little has changed in the way we operate. It's still the same leadership team. It's stay, still the same commitment to the things we're doing. It's just behind the scenes. There's a way for me to sell the business that over the course of 10 years, and then I get to back out and the employees now would own it, let's say in 10 years. And that's sort of wow. the way this works without a bank. So that's wow. a genius. For, yeah. for those that don't know out there, what does ESOP stand for? Oh, so it stands for an employee stock ownership plan. Okay. And then you, one other thing I'll say is you can do 10%, 20%, 50%. Right? There's ways to split this up. Um, I felt as I often have that it was all or nothing. I was like, I don't want to do this halfway. I want to dive in. And so we're actually a hundred percent ESOP, which is wow. sort of on the rarer side. There's a lot of partial ESOPs, but we're a hundred percent committed. So if Jim, go ahead, Apple. Well, I was just going to say to me, it's a genius. Like he said, we worked in restaurants. and it's not just restaurants. One of the <laughs> hardest things in business is not being a revolving door for employees that feel no security that they, they, you know, it, it most jobs are a speed bump on the way to looking for the next better thing to better yourself. So, I mean, what a genius way, because it's all owners. When you're an owner, what do you want to do? You want to live there, especially in a restaurant. You don't want to miss a beat. Right. So what you've created, I mean, it comes through, like we said, all, all morning and yesterday it was like, looking at these two la every time we go to go to another city or something <laughs> i am weeks ahead of time looking at all the restaurants and looking at menus and going to instagram to look at the specials and right. what you have created is just it's like it's it's a Wonderland. piece of artwork yeah. like everything you do we can't i can't wait to come up there amazing and go on a restaurant tour <laughs> it's anyway guys there's no question it's just like congratulations on that's what most places should be doing so you have a stable thriving business with people that are happy to walk in the door every day well, and be and, there and the other side of that too justin is that like apple said you, by doing that you create an atmosphere where the employee is no longer an employee he is he or she is a um stakeholder, a stakeholder yeah in, right in the and business and i know for myself like if you let me borrow your car, I'm going to take care of your car, right? I'm, I'm going to watch. I'm not going to get in an accident. I'm going to return right. it with gas and whatever. And it's fine. But if, you, if you're like, dude, this is our car now. Right. You, you own this thing. I'm going to be like, okay. I need Meticulous. To the, yeah. I'm going to take care of that like it's my own because it is. And the way that I portray myself outward from inside of that thing becomes different. 
I'm going to treat the people that come in like they're coming to my house. Yeah. And so have you seen, you'd said that we wouldn't be able to tell pre ESOP post ESOP, but I bet we would be able to tell by guest experience. Do you think Uh, that's true? uh, Yeah, I would hope so. Um, I I think again, we had a great sense of ownership, but it was passive or uh, silent. I'll say beforehand. And I think part of the reputation, you know, I appreciate saying, uh, what I've created, but this is by all means a team sport and this yeah, is a yeah. village and this is, you know, so many people being part of this. And that's, um, you know, I think that hopefully that's evident when people come in. And I think one other thing I'll add about ESOPs is I think there needs to be a shift in the way business owners think about, you know, the difference between wealth and worth. And mm-hmm. I feel like the ESOP was about celebrating worth, yeah. you know, creating value, not necessarily turning this into the most money for anybody. And I feel like we've always, we, I always speak about to my staff about this trilogy, right? And the trilogy is the guest first, and then it goes down to our culture. And then financial wellness is our third, which is a shift. A lot of places, obviously we're business, we have to hit the bottom line, but I always felt if you do number one and number two, right, it'll take care of number three. Yeah. Yeah. And, That's um, it, yep. yeah and it's, it, it seemed to work. In fact, even like a couple of years ago, I, you know, there's this thing that people would always say, like, you know, well, Justin's name's on your signature and he pays, pays you. And I was like, man, I don't want to feel like I'm the people, person that pay. The guest is who pays. Yeah. If we don't have guests, there's no money for me to pay everybody. So I did a sort of bait and switch with my bank and I signed my signature to look like my signature, but it actually says the guest. And oh. so now all our checks are stamped with the guest, although it kind of, if you don't know, it might look like a J and a C. And to me, I wanted that to be something like people think about, like, that's who's signing your paycheck. That's the reason we're all here. Wow. I I was reading something about um, one of the interviews and you were saying something about, oh gosh, now I I got it out of my head. I guess my question is this, do you feel successful at the point that you are at now? Because I know that means a lot of different things and people will traditionally in the, in like in the back in the day, if you had a lot of money, a lot of things, you're successful, but we're in 2021 now, 2022, these years, and it's not the same anymore. Mm -mm. So what? That is a great question. So yeah. So no, I know. Hey, we're, we're, (laughs) we got you, man. We're just hanging out. (laughs) You are a busy man. We're like, just to get a few moments with you is amazing. No, no, no. That was just my daughter. It's Saturday. So I, I, (laughs) but do you have, do you feel that? Do you feel successful in, in maybe not just the delicious dishes that you've helped create collaboratively with your employees, but like as a person, as a dad, as a husband, as a entrepreneur that, you know? Yeah. What a great question because you're so right. So many times success is measured by the financial, by, you know, how busy you are, how many, how much press you have. And of course in a business, those things are part of it, right? You want to be able to pay your bills and have some payoff. You want to be able to get some recognition. Uh, I feel like, you know, that is a great question, but I do think the success for me feels like, um, you know, a success that is so, um, you know, deep and gratifying because you, you touched on it. It's success is just maybe like, or I'm starting to feel success as a human and how I can affect not only my employees, not only like the food system and how we want to be responsible there. And the way we, you know, I think a lot of the buildings that I'm in are repurposed buildings. They're, mm-hmm. you know, the, they're not torn down and gutted. They're, they're left to give homage to the history of these buildings in Denver and, 
And then the materials we use to put in there are a lot of reclaim. We try and, you know, use about 50 to 70%, like just repurpose wow. things to create the furniture, the art, the chairs. So I think the bigger answer is I do feel a, a lot of success or that I'm starting to get a lot of success in all those areas by trying to realize what work-life balance is. Cause you talked about the commitment to restaurants is exhaustive. <laughs> and I spent many years on that treadmill and finally, you know, um, maybe one of the reasons that the ESOP was alluring to me is like, man, I wonder if everybody is part of it, that now we share the burden in some of the ways that we didn't in the past, the financial burdens, the burdens on a Saturday and Sunday that you have to deal with. And again, I, my team is so amazing that like they've given me part of this success by just becoming a partner with me on this ride and trusting because, you know, there's, there was no like promise to anybody. This was an organic experience. Like I said, I wanted to open one restaurant and I wanted to do it well. And then before long, we were doing two restaurants and I wanted to do those well. And I didn't want to have more, you know, restaurant kids, if you will, until I felt like the two restaurant kids I had were doing well. They weren't like living in their car, although nothing wrong with that. They were you know, going to, they were getting a good education. They were good people. And as each restaurant sort of gained that, it was like, all right, let's have another restaurant kid because they were all so different and I think the the momentum you have as a growing restaurant group, the first seven years, we opened almost a restaurant every 18 months. Oh my and they gosh. weren't easy restaurants. They were, the 18 months was only the gap between the restaurants, but I was opening a restaurant while planning my next restaurant. And then that would wow. take sometimes two years. So by the time I opened that first restaurant, the second restaurant was halfway through its fruition to open. So I love that question. I don't know if I know how to answer it. No, except you I, do well, feel, it well. I think that maybe you're just scared to say you do feel successful because, you know, that may be like self-serving or whatever, but really, truly what you are doing is revolutionized the way that you see servers, dishwashers, and restaurateurs, even if it's in your small area of Denver, you've revolutionized that because here we are in Portland, Oregon, and we know about it. You know what nice. I'm saying? So it's it's gone beyond just your boundaries of state. And it's inspiring in multiple ways as like the, the ESOP is inspiring the way that you handle your remodels or, you know, bringing in 50 to 70% reclaimed materials. That's huge. And then in like making the guests first, but maybe not the employees last. Well, like these are all concepts that have not come to fruition that you're doing. So I, I'm just saying, I, I think I'll answer for you. Yes, you, well, you should feel successful. <laughs> and, you should. And, not, and also not, and not a, yeah, not a self-serving way, just period. Like a, a man did something really dope with the business that he was given. Well, and, and not to get right? too, not to get too heady about it, but uh, let's let's do that for a second. Energetically, giving ownership to the employees changes the vibe of the whole thing, and also being respectful, responsible, and conscious about what you're taking out of the world and putting back into it energetically changes the outcome of how things grow, thrive, and mature. So by having that, um, I don't know what, what you would call the mindset, global maybe, or ecological, responsible maybe. Responsible, mindset. that's yeah. a great word. Responsible yeah. mindset of like, I'm going to take out less and put back more mm. somehow, right? And that energetically changes things. And 
to me, that indicates success. It's a complicated world out there in cannabis land. Why is it There's so There's little green elves dancing behind trees. There's unicorns made of keef. It's like 47 million new strains monthly as people cross things together. Turbinado cat feet. There, that's a new one. Ooh, I like that. Go to Define Premium <laughs> Cannabis. Talk to Apple. They got two locations here in Portland to serve you. One in Hillsborough, one in Forest Grove. They are going to get you hooked up with the exact cannabis product that's right for you. Okay. Back How do you in the know day, it's right for you? It could be, check this out. Back in the day, experimentation. I worked at the Apple store, right? And the thing at the Apple store was not just to sell people bullshit, but was to get them matched with the product that would enhance their life. I now live with Apple who works at Define and he does the same thing the Apple store did. You like that? Yeah, I do like that. Like, I, like I'm an Apple genius. You, you, you are, sir. Yeah. And but, you work at Define. But make sure to come visit us in Hillsborough or Forest Grove. Make sure to say you're a listener because when you say that, like, I'm a listener, No Simple Road, we give you a 10% discount. We give you a t-shirt, which you can wear back on your second, third, fourth, fifth visit, and you get 15%. And I guarantee if you come in and say that, we're going to hook you up with more stuff than just that. You're I mean, going to walk out very happy. good to get a discount on anything. But when you get a discount on your medicine, on your cannabis, on your relaxation, that's hey all man, the best. Let me discount your relaxation yeah. for you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. He says, thank you very much. All right. So you get, the, you get the picture. Two locations, Hillsborough, Forest Grove, good weed, defined premium cannabis. That's the deal. And also... We are done interrupting your interview. We are going back now. Here we go. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. And maturity. That's That's a hugely mature thing to do to get out of your own way. Yeah. And be... A, a true leader in the field that you're working in. And that's, I wonder how much of your music background has influenced was, those decisions. I was thinking the same thing. Um, I, once, you know, a minute ago, I was like, yeah, I see it. Like there's definitely, when you talked about the sense of, you know, sort of um, connection and ownership that can happen. It's like, yeah, th- isn't this how I grew up listening, let's say, to The Grateful Dead? Th- sure. Don't de- deadheads have this sense of ownership or any band like that? I see you have the fish poster behind. Yep. So don't those bands that incorporate their fans and are connected, don't those fans feel an ownership? And Absolutely. we do, right? Mm-hmm. I think yes. that's important. And I think also, you know, bands that are responsible. And I think especially Grateful Dead, which I think were so, um, you know, early adopters of so many things that became maybe, you know, subconscious ways that then people who listen to them went on to do. Yeah. Like put back more than you take out, right. Give more regardless of what you're going to get. And aren't they a model of like they gave, whether it's content, whether it's themselves, whether it's their music without getting sometimes a return from right. fans taping, letting people take. Yep. Yeah. I mean with, and, and again, but what a brilliant way to create like a viral marketing by yes. giving people something mm-hmm. And uh, just to me, I think what I maybe took away from there is just the connection that I've always wanted 
the people who come to the restaurants to be connected to the restaurants like you would to your favorite band, not Aww. your favorite restaurant. Yeah. I have favorite restaurants, but that connection is not nearly as deep to my favorite band that I want people to come to Edible Beats feel like a band. You, they want to turn people on. They want to take them to the Linger concert or the Aww. Root Down concert. And they yeah. want to have that experience. And I always tell like the servers when, they, when we do these meetings, I'm like, man, you have to understand people are here to make a movie. Everybody has their individual movie, just like at a dead show or a fish show. People make that movie of their their experience and whether they're going to take drugs, whether they're going to be sober, whether they're going to go with their family, their daughter. The, you go and you make a movie of your experience and the band is a, is a, condu a con conducive to that. And that's right. how I want the restaurants to be. I want us mm. to be conducive to whatever movie people are making. We have to be the, the cast and I mean, we have to be the crew, not the cast. And they're the stars. They're the people who are the director. They're the stars of the movie. We just have to facilitate it. Well, it's such a powerful thing, Justin. We have a <clears throat> a group up here called McMenamins, and they repurpose old buildings. They have concert venues, hotels, restaurants. They like. They have like an old Masonic temple that they turned into a restaurant, hotel, concert venue. They have a winery that they repurposed that was like where all the poor, yeah, under, was underprivileged poor farm. farm where people could go work. They repurposed this place, turned it into a winery. Anyway, my point is when we were looking for a place to live, we moved from Vegas six years ago to Portland. When we were looking for a place to live, for me one of the final deciding factors of coming to the Pacific Northwest was a happenstance stop at a McMenamin's property in Eugene to grab lunch on the drive home. And when we walked in, there was Grateful Dead memorabilia on the walls. The menu was Grateful Dead and um, Led Zeppelin themed named stuff on the menu. And I felt like I had come home. The, st I, the staff I, was very welcoming. Yeah. And, and so it's not, like you said, it's a, it's more than a restaurant. It's more than um, a meal. It's, it's an experience. And that experience is powerful enough to cause people like me to move <laughs> halfway, you know, up the coast because I felt something that moved me, that made me feel a part of something that I was missing. You, you know, that, that's a, an amazing thing for a, a restaurant or anything to do to somebody. Yeah. And, and what a cool role they've played. Right, man. And you've got all those spots there that are literally doing that. Like the, the linger is that's such an amazing thing. Like that was yeah. a mortuary, man. Like, yeah. That, a famous mortuary in Denver, <laughs> at least. That's that's go, pretty gutsy. I gotta ask, like going into that, you, you're you're with the real estate agent, <laughs> and what's that pitch look like? Like I got the perfect place to put right. a restaurant, brother. Well, what's funny is the um, when I first came to Low High, you know, the Brooklyn, I drove every street every day looking for like a restaurant home. And I found Root Down, which, you know, was like a mid-century gas station. And um, it, it was just a cool little corner. It was a very dangerous corner at the time. And luckily the city was, like I said, willing to invest money to make it, you know, a tax paying, you know, um, building and all that. But the building owner who I reached out to and I was like, hey, you know, you have a for rent sign. He was actually the owner of the mortuary. So he's a developer in Lohi and he okay. also 
he was uh, my landlord at three of the restaurants oh, wow. and still is actually. And um, he called me and it's like, brother, I got the next thing for you. And this is when Root Down was maybe a year old. And we were, we were experiencing a success that I could never have dreamed of opening a restaurant. And I felt like such a failure inside. And the reason was, is that, you know, we opened this thing with 30 people and I was just maybe looking at it too organically. I was like, you know, we're going to do 40 to 60 people a night. And, you know, I had this strategy that by like the third day was just like crushed and (laughs) we got run over night after night. Our quality, I don't think was there. I think we were understaffed. I think we were underprepared. All these things that like, I felt like we're failing everybody. We're getting this and the phone everybody wanted to kill the phone because it just, you'd pick up a call and there'd be like three call waitings and then the other phone. And, and it was amazing. It was like the success most people dream about, but I was not ready for it. And so when I was in the middle of trying to figure that out and we grew from 30 employees to a hundred within three months. And a lot of the people who opened it, some of my key people just, they weren't the right fit. No fault of theirs. It's just, it wasn't the right fit. So I felt like, God, I feel so alone in this success that should be collaborative, but that was early on. So anyway, my point being the landlord then called me and he's like, come check it out. And I'm like, there's no way I'm prepared to open another restaurant. And so I went anyway. thinking <laughs> I'll keep the relationship and you know, I don't want to lose that sort of like, Hey, well, I got a cool space for you in the future. And I go to this mortuary, which was just architecturally beautiful. It was this maybe like forties, early, you know, sort of like late deco, early mid-century. And I really love those styles. And the view of the city on top of the roof, I climbed this 50 foot ladder. I had never been scared in my life. (laughs) And and I went up on this ladder and I didn't want to go down the ladder. I just wanted to like have somebody like, you know, get a crane to get me down because I was so terrified. But the adrenaline of the, the, what that city looked like from that rooftop and the beautiful building I was like, I'm in. And I remember that night, he's like, well, you got to pitch me on something. I got other people interested. And so I, on very little sleep, I just sort of, you know, the the building is originally called the Olinger Mortuary and it's the biggest or was the biggest mortuary in Denver for, I want to say like 70 years at that point. Really they had like um, processed 60 or 70% of everybody's deceased through their mortuaries. And the, anyway, the sign was only your mortuaries. And I remember like, I have no idea what I would do. I'm so overwhelmed with root down. And I did the path of least resistance. I pitched him on the idea that I'm going to cross out the O and call it linger. I'm going to cross out mortuaries and make it echuaries. And then I just put together like a paragraph. But he was so enamored with me keeping the sign and giving homage to the building and not trying to hide that it was a mortuary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was like, let's do it, brother. And then what's funny is... At that point, I really had all my chips on root down. I pushed everything I could beg, borrow, steal on root down. And so I named the LLC for Linger um, Gold Teeth because there's a Steely Dan song called Gold Teeth when someone's at the crops table and they don't have anything to bet except they pull out their gold teeth and they put their gold teeth (laughs) on the table. And I felt like me opening Linger was really like I got nothing, but I'm going to take my gold tooth and put it on the table and hope it works out. So I that's the steely and lyric I use for that one. You, you, have, you have intention behind everything yeah. you do, Justin. It's amazing. <laughs> it Whether is. it's from a song lyric or whatever, you, you have, I, I got to ask to you, first of all, this is like, you have a beautiful mind. Thanks for sharing oh, it and put it wow. into everything you do. What is going on on the board behind you? Oh, yeah, like my little Goodwill hunting board. Yeah, <laughs> yes. 
I'm a whiteboard fanatic. Like we have a conference room and when I run out of whiteboard, I'll do it on the windows. I'll do it on the wall. And so it's just because I feel like um, I, it's so hard to contain my love of like collaborating and brainstorming. And a lot of this is just that. You were an old football coach. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. It's some X's and O's too, but I just need to see it. Otherwise I feel really remiss when I put it in a notebook, which doesn't work for me, or I try and organize it in my mind. It's like, I'll forget ideas and I'll disappoint myself or people. And <laughs> so the whiteboards are meant to be like a conduit of like momentum. That's, so we never okay. lose yeah. it. Even if it's like falls off the line, I mean, falls off the page. It's still, you got to stare it in the face when you walk in every day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, and I wondered that, man, because <laughs> with the, the, offerings that you have at your different spots are so it's it's so eclectic and so creative and for me one of those dishes is like okay i'm done i've created the coolest thing ever (laughs) i'm gonna march off into the sunset but there's like an entire menu for seven restaurants or whatever that like each dish is that thing is it is it you sitting down with a team to figure that stuff out or does that stuff come from you or how does that work to, to bring that up? Another great question. I, I love, you know, you guys are so thoughtful about your questions. Oh, they make thanks, the answer look more thoughtful. And so, um, <laughs> trying to be thoughtful. Um, so I appreciate the, all the great setups. I yeah. feel, you know, I have definitely like many chefs been in, you know, I, I've been in a point in my career where I felt, okay, I'm going to be in the kitchen and I'm going to, cook every dish. I'm going to come in early. I'm going to leave at the end of the day and I'm going to make sure everything passes through my filter. And, um, that can only be sustainable for so long, especially with, again, I think successful busy restaurants where people felt like they were knocking on the door to come in every day of the week. And, uh, it also felt a little sort of Bob Dylan esque, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the voice. I'm going to write the songs. I'm going to play the harmonica, me, 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 me. And that is exhausting as well. And so my goal at one point when I felt I learned where I was able to articulate collaboration in the workplace, something that I maybe craved my most of my career, but I could never articulate it. I just wanted it, but I didn't know how to communicate that to people. I also didn't know how to communicate like excellence because the more I can communicate that to others and what excellence looks like, the less that I have to be trying to maintain excellence um, in other things, you know? So I feel like um, I I got a shift when I was like, man, I can't cook and run a successful restaurant and want to be creative about the, the ideas, the intentions, the design. And so after root down sort of found its wings and linger started, it probably happened after linger. I was like, I need to find immensely talented chefs. And I need to think of myself as like a, a producer, right? I, right. I want other people to have their voice on the menu. Cause for a while it was like, I know nope, I'm doing all the ideas. And if you want to put something on, let me give you the idea. Let me, let me watch you do it. Let me correct you. And I think that's, again, it's a limited formula for success. And I think also it wasn't what I craved. I, you know, there's definitely a part of it that if, if I'm at the top of the food chain, or the bottom, depending on how you look at it, you know, your name goes on everything and it's your, it's your capital. It's your name. It's your, your future. So I have the most to lose, but at the same time, I really wanted to be at at some point, I was like, man, I want to be obsolete in the day to day. Mm -hmm. So that like, whether I'm in the building or not is 
doesn't matter because usually, and probably to the point to this day, when the owner walks in or when I walk in, Mm -hmm. there's a shift in quality. There's a shift in, you know, intention. There's a shift in whatever. And I want to lessen that. I don't want to walk in and feel like there's going to be a change. I want it to be like, it's on equal footing with what's happening. And on the whole, I feel like that's what happens. So to answer your question about the menus, um, I still am the filter that everything goes through, but I really want my chefs and some of them have like a high degree of empowerment where I truly am optional. I still do the tastings on all the food. I'll still direct them like, Hey, this is a little bit too busy or Hey, we need a texture, the colors, the seasonality. I'll still do what I feel like maybe a producer does in the studio, which is trying to direct the talent that's in front of you Mm -hmm. to highlight their talent the best. And then there's some chefs that are maybe earlier on in their journey where I'll say, okay, I want to see these five things on the menu. And I still always want to give them latitude to succeed or fail because I don't want to hand them a recipe or a dish. I intentionally try and hold back from giving them too much. Also, because often I'm so delighted and surprised at an idea that I didn't think would work that they're going to put in front of me. So they just present dishes to me and we do tastings. I think most every day of my life is spent tasting food. (laughs) And that just feels like that's the lane that I'm most at this point, still most, um, able to touch and still feels that I've, I earn the chef moniker in my name, even though I'm not in the kitchen, uh, definitely too old and too beat up for that. You know, I've been in this industry 35 years. So restaurant years are almost dog years. (laughs) It's like a three to one ratio. So I've lived a hundred years of restaurant years. I've not heard of many businessmen who push themselves out of their own business <laughs> in order to help the people that they hire to, you know, be part of their business. This is something that is really, I've never seen Justin. I've never seen anything like that, yeah. especially in this field. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm inspired. I really am. I'm yeah. inspired. Yes. And kind of like Going back to what Apple said, I know that you, he, you brushed off it quickly, but you do have a beautiful mind. You have a beautiful way of one, like you said about forgetting things. And that's why you use a whiteboard. That's a big deal. Cause sometimes our forgettable thoughts could be a million dollar ideas. So just putting something up, like something so silly and, and not even cost, you know, it's very cost effective right. to put up a stupid whiteboard and, you know, to, to delegate to allow your other employees to kind of delegate to each other and like create menus like it's just unheard of and i just want you to hear it from someone outside of your circle so that you can realize that you have done something to this date that's very inspiring right now yeah like i'm sure in the future it's continuing but like right now i feel like you deserve a, a kudos for what you've done thus far that's yeah. <clears throat> You're gonna make me verklempt here. It's oh, good, man. Sorry, man. I'm so I'm I'm an emotional person. I love to cry. I love to laugh. I love to celebrate people, and that's precisely what you're doing on the show. We're celebrating and kind of like showing people out there. One, you know, that the musical family is much more vast than just the music. Yep. Yeah. That's what that's we're that's sure. what we're highlighting and showcasing, but also when someone's doing it in a way that is unique and helpful and edifying for others besides just themselves, 
that should be showcased and highlighted too. And so I'm really proud to be doing this today. I just want you to know that I'm I'm excited to share this interview with all of our listeners and get them down to your restaurants to have that movie scene experience, (laughs) you know? And Andy just described apples like, dream life tasting food all day oh, oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, I we love too like like you said like your music your musical background and everything my jam we all share nights around here of whose night it is to cook and nice. when it's my night I, I i'm in the kitchen it's steely dan every night always yeah. has been well, i get man. it from my dad yeah. i go in steely dan play in the kitchen and get to cooking but you've created like like we, we, i mean up there in Denver, it's such a music scene. I mean, you know, you got you got all the you have Dicks up there, you got Red Rocks and everything, oh, yeah, yeah. Fox, and Cervantes. Now, yeah. now Cervantes, after, yeah, yeah, and and like looking forward. I mean, what a good place to be and carry on that music over into the way you treat your restaurants and your recipes and stuff. Because I've been to Red Rocks and those places. I look forward to coming up there and coming to the new. It's like going to now. It's on my mind is like the new venue. The new venue. Yeah. Like yeah. I need to come up there and I need to go to linger and then go to Red Rock. I was just gonna say <laughs> Ophelia's. Yeah, Ophelia's. Yeah. Ophelia's is the new one. Yeah, so can we, can music we, is half of that. You can know, we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah, we, sure. Like give us the Ophelia's pitch. The Ophelia's pitch is um again the landlord who had root down building and linger says, I found this amazing building. It's it was an old brothel <laughs> and um it's on the National Historic Register of Places, and it's the only one that has anything to do with sex that's on that register. And I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy. And it's a beautiful <laughs> Victorian building. And downstairs where Ophelia's is, it was a very robust, dirty bookstore, sex toy, peep show, but like in the seediest, least bougie way. It was okay. really gritty, old Denver, Tom Waits, Denver, in gotcha. the 70s kind of way. <laughs> And so he shows me the building. And again, I'm just, my eyes are bigger than my stomach. And I'm like, oh my God, we got to do this. And my team is like, dude, we just opened a restaurant at DIA. We were lucky enough to open a route down in the airport, which was monumentally difficult, but they, they're game. They're amazing. They're, they're willing to trust on this journey. Um, and so that was like, you know what, we have to do something more than just a restaurant. Cause you know, restaurants are great, but there's so many of them and you know, music was the next best thing or the next you know, thing that was sort of in our um, wheelhouse. And I felt like, let's open a music venue. Let's try and create where obviously the stage is the center of this universe, but not far behind is, you know, the, the space that it's in. And so we took this Victorian building and we cut a big hole between the basement and the first floor to create a mezzanine. And we tried to get the best sound person and one of the best talent buyers, uh, which we did. And we decided to open an independent local music venue with, you know, it's like a 450 cap room. And we started to put on shows six, seven nights a week. And what we wanted to do was couple it with, instead of it just going and being about the band, what if you came there at five o'clock and had happy hour, then you rolled into dinner and then maybe you watched the show and it was about the food, the hospitality. And it just was this, I don't like this word, but this elevated musical experience where the band and the venue are more in harmony. Mm. And I think to a degree, people like, you know, probably the Fillmore East way back in its day did that where I think Bill Graham really wanted to make an experience, you know, by giving, whether it's giving breakfast to people when they leave or the quality of the music, the quality of the sound system. 
And I felt like, well, let's do that. Let's make the best possible sound, the most beautiful environment. Let's honor the music with the other side of it, which is usually drinking and food. And that's what Ophias is all about. And now we even partner with Live Nation. Wow. And we get, you know, they book bands through us all the time. Sometimes some really amazing underplays that where we could never get that band because of their relationships. They can say, you know, you're going to play at Red Rocks. And then we have this solo acoustic you know, at um, Ophelia's or some bands that we just never would have been able to get. They put through that room. So it has a nice synergy to it now. That's cool, man. What's the, who was the first band that you had? Do you remember in Ophelia's? Yeah, I do. I got to remember their name. They they were a local band and um, somebody told me about them and they were just sort of like a funk, you know, band. But what was crazy about them on opening night, what nobody told me was they also at one point, and if this gets too X-rated, let me know. <laughs> they all get butt naked a la Chili Peppers. But then they, you know, they're I think they're all just like having fun, young guys in a band kind of thing. And then they all do this like, they all sit on top of each other while playing their instruments butt naked. And it's a, it was like, I thought this was just like a fun funk band, but okay, they just raised the bar on what, what that could mean. And now so um, an they're a night. funky band. <laughs> I, I really don't remember their name, but they were definitely fun. Um, and that was the first band, but they were just a local band that somebody had re- um, recommended to me. I wish I could remember the name. It feels very appropriate seeing that Ophelia's was yeah. the brothel and all. I mean, 100%. come on, let's get, bring out it. the booties, bring out the. <laughs> what's the, what's the menu look like at Ophelia's? Is there a, is there a feeling for this or is there a Great genre? Word. Yeah. It's not a theme, but there's a feeling and the feeling is probably um, a music, I mean, sorry, food that you'd want to eat while experiencing music. So, you know, we try not to take it too serious, but we try to still have it be, you know, informed through seasonality, through our sourcing, through the other restaurants, which is the scratch kitchen. It's not like a lot of music venues where you, they get in frozen pizza or frozen whatever, and they just reheat. We have a scratch kitchen. We have an executive chef there, but the food is probably uh, a little sort of low country, um, meets, um, maybe just a little sort of American, um, with, we also have like flatbreads. So, you know, it's, it's sort of a little bit of a bastardization, but at the end of the day, it's probably just like a low country vibe. So with, with that done and where you're at right now, is there something that you have always wanted to do that you haven't done? Is there something left? (laughs) (laughs) What's next? Um, There is one thing, which is um, I'm actually doing, I feel like coming to Denver was at a point in life when I really felt that responsibility of like, not just using, right? Not using the environment. I was 40, 42, I think. Okay. Okay. So, you know, starting to become a responsible adult, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really felt that the food system needed change. And um, that was something that I think was happening in pockets, you know, around the country. I think chefs started to look at the seasonality, the, the farm to table. I don't know if that existed back then, but that, that intention existed before the words farm to table existed. And that is something I was lucky enough to work in one restaurant in Denver that is now out of business. And sorry about that. Oh, it's good. Um, we have they, um, they, they took on that mindset of, of being a responsible steward of the food we serve, whether it's not just how we get that food, but also like um, making it so it's not just um, an overt 
attack on your health to eat well. Because oh. oftentimes chefs just ply things in food to make it delicious. Often that's sugar, it's fat, it's bread. It's, it's just a lot of things that I think as I got older, I didn't want to just take that route. I wanted to be more intentional about allergies, about gluten-free, about being vegan, about vegetarianism, about seasonality. And um, now I forgot the question. What Oh, just about the men. No, no what, so what, what you want to do? What yeah, you want to do? Is there anything left for you that you haven't done? Yeah. So I've always wanted to try and grow food um, and put it in the restaurants. And we've tried it. We've tried a couple of like urban plots and we've rented it and we've grown some food, but they've never really lasted because we never did it responsibly. It was more of a passion project. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's a company that approached me during the pandemic when I was at my lowest point of thinking bye-bye restaurants, bye-bye future. And he's like, we got this great product. It's a, it's a container. It's a reclaimed re- container. So repurposed. And we put in a full um, grow room of a hydroponic solar powered um, vertical garden. And mm-hmm. you can grow the, the number is amazing because you can grow year round and every six weeks you can harvest. And it's these vertical shelves that you can grow food. And they also have one for mushrooms where you can grow like 250 pounds of mushrooms, I think a week in these containers. So one of the things I always wanted to do was not just to say we're farm to table, not just to say we work with local farmers, but to actually do it. And so uh, during COVID, I was like, there's no way I can say no to this. This is just like what we've been planning to do for so many years at Edible Weed. So we bought one and it's going in in about two weeks in the back of one of the restaurants in the parking lot. And we have this, you know, 40 foot container and we have a farmer and we're going to be growing food that's going to be like not grown 30 miles away, but grown 10 feet away. Every six weeks, we'll do a, a harvest and we'll be able to grow food and just put it into the chef's hands and just truly be farm to table in a way that feels really responsible and really gratifying. Wow. I, I, we're done now. That's enough. Yeah. Enough, Justin. <laughs> Whatever, man. (laughs) Holy shit, man. Wow. I'm just blown away, man. Like, we've talked to, I don't know, we've done almost 300 episodes. We've talked to a lot of people. And I have to say, brother, that, like, there's a few standouts, and this is going to be one of them. You're very inspiring, man. And, like, but just, real just, too. just the heart behind it yeah is the, the heart that that's inspiring and and I, I i'm always excited to go to denver because it means that we're going to red yeah. rocks or to <laughs> or go Dicks, see fish yeah, or right. something yeah. awesome yeah but i am equally as excited to come to denver just to to have dinner at one of your restaurants man like i it's hard to pick which one. Several. We'll like, go to several them, of them. L five really stands out to me because of the paella dishes you do. That seafood one, just the yeah, pictures of that it. makes me just salivate. Yeah, and, and then I mean all all of them, but that 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 one, I, that's the first one I would pick, and then would be linger after, and then work my nice. way through. Just the menus are outstanding. I think the sea bass recipes, just I mean, I look at the, it's just like, oh my god. I think we need to to figure out. We need to do a live podcast from. Oh my god! <laughs> that, that is an open invitation. That would be wow. a lot of fun. Right. That, you know. Um, I, I, one last thing before we go. Yeah. Why did you put an RV on the roof of Linger? I love it. <laughs> a bar V. Yeah. A bar v, yeah. <laughs> you know, just because. Well, like, but, but when he tells the story, a, a, a 
climbing that ladder and everything and then you think to yourself like i'm afraid to come down the ladder let's put an rv on the roof (laughs) i'm gonna live on the roof yeah Yeah. Um, well like most things in this you know i think it's trusting um you know i think it's a good amount of risk taking you know i'm adverse i don't know if adverse is word but i enjoy like just taking risks and hoping that we'll make it work and again that's from i think my musical past i've seen that on display the dead time and time again took risks. They don't always work night after night. And so I think um, that's an organic part of uh, after I opened Root Down and it felt like we're successful. I was like me and my wife and my daughter, I'm like, you know what? We need to be able to get away easily. So let's buy an RV. And I'd always loved this old school RV, these GMC RVs from the seventies. And I bought one for us to go into the mountains. So we had this RV to go and enjoy the beautiful mountains. Well, needless to say, when you're running a successful restaurant and still figuring out your way, we didn't use it once. We, we, we bought it, we got it, and it just sat there and it sat there. And so when I'm building Linger, and again, I always try and find something like, what can we do that you, you we're not buying? Can we repurpose something? Can we find something that someone's casting off? And so, hey, I happen to have this RV I'm not using. And we you know, the whole vibe of Linger is about like street food and, you know, the, the, the sort of street vibe. So I was like, I have this RV and I asked my contractor, can we gut it? Can we crane it up? And luckily I worked with some really great people, both the landlord who's allowing me to do this and my contractor. And so the, the idea behind it was like, fuck it, let's crane it up. And I will say off the record, probably the statute of limitations has expired. We did it on a July 4th for certain reasons that I will not say, because I don't know if it would have been completely uh, kosher. Got it. And we craned it up on July 4th. We connected it and then we immediately turned it into a bar B. So it just became another part of the journey where it, I had it. I'm not using it. And it was like better than buying something or building something yeah. that seems so boring. Well, Dude, these are the two words that come from this interview for me. It's intention and attention to detail. Oh boy, I'm going to borrow that. Is it not? Like, I feel like just by talking to you that I feel like that whole thing where you just said about the bar V, I'm not using it. I wanted it. It's let, can we repurpose it? Let's go for it. That's intention and attention to detail. And I mean, there's a a million of, um, like other ways that you've um, explained that through this conversation and wow, man, I'm really, I'm really grateful for your contribution to this world for real. Like truly, truly. Yeah. I think you're truly inspirational without really intending to be by just being yourself and sharing what's in that mind and everything. And I felt this, I don't think this has happened. I just want to give you a little little on the show. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Thank thank you for, for giving us some of your time and and sharing. Oh wait. And one more thing. You're totally a jammer. Like the way that a jam band works, Totally, that's what you've done. (laughs) And I just wanted to recognize that, you know, just throw that in there and then uh, go ahead. Aaron. I just want to say that. (laughs) I just want to say, you have my number, Justin, if you ever open invitation, if you ever come to Portland, and you have free time and you want to hang out hit me up man i'd love to have you over <clears throat> we'll cook for you yeah we love to host <laughs> and cook and, yeah well since then i we, me and my wife have bought a new rv because we actually do get to go into the mountains Yay! A little bit. Right we want to go to alaska next year we want to drive through portland one way oh, and through the we got Canadian a place Rockies you can park. so uh, oh save, my gosh. i'll save your number and that would be we would a, love it you know, <laughs> uh, I, and uh i will um It'll be a 
probably two to three weeks, but I'll let you know when this is coming out. Okay. Awesome. awesome. And, and I do want to say that jam, I love that you mentioned the jam thing because I think that's what maybe is so hard sometimes for people who come into edible beats is that I'm a jammer and I would just want to jam with people and I want to get in a room, but I know running a business that could be really exhausting. So I feel like I've had to temper the improvisational need to figure out our way through it, which I love. And I've worked with people who love that, but as we've grown, that's some, you know, I think sometimes our strength is our weakness and our weakness is our strength. Mm-hmm. And that's a perfect example of something I love to do that I now have to like temper with. Also, we, we need to plan and we have to write it out and we have to let everybody know what it looks like and give somebody that maybe like, uh, you know, a blueprint. Uh, and we just have to like, you know, play the music, even though there might be notes on a page. So, but I do love that idea of just creating with others in the moment to see where we go, but that's not everyone's cup of tea. So it's, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I love yeah, that. man, that's my cup of tea. Yeah, cup I'm, of tea. I'm digging. Sure. I love collaborations and everything that you've done sounds like has been even maybe like you said, temper, you're putting it elsewhere. You're still, you may not be able to jam here right now, but you're doing it somewhere else yeah. and you're Trying plugging to, it in. Yeah. And I mean, you're for not playing an instrument, you're a hell of a musician. Yeah. Well, <laughs> or do I you play an instrument? My, my, um, you know, I, I played in bands for like 10 years. Oh, you did? Yeah, he was playing did, guitar yeah. and harmonica. Uh, oh, that's, oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah. Well, even more so then. It all, all makes right, sense. Even more so. Yeah, we just Justin, thank you for your time, man. I just can't wait no, to. Y- y'all are awesome. Your questions, your thoughtfulness. I think it was just, you know, I think you brought most of this out. So kudos well, to you guys. And you man. are like a musician. It's like, it's like, can't wait to see what the next album is. Yeah, album, your next <laughs> album. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right uh, on. Thank you so much for blessings having me. to great. you and your beautiful family yeah, and your businesses your and all of your awesome ideas, man. We'll talk I to really, you soon. Really Justin. Appreciate that. Keep in yeah, touch, man. Hold on to my number for real. I'm going to do that and vice versa. And Anytime I wasn't, you guys are coming into Denver, like, do not hesitate. We're yep. going to hit you up. We're sure. coming to eat. And yeah. I wasn't joking about the live podcast. We'll be in touch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> talk to you soon, man. I wasn't joking either. Yes. Oh, Thanks right so much, brother. Bye bye. Yes. And that is Justin Cucci. Just like that. That's how you interview a sweet angel heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I guess that I wouldn't have put it in those terms, Mel, but absolutely. That's what that is. Helping the not only employing your employees, but caring about your employed employees. Hey, Justin, I bet you've never been called a sweet angel heart before. Well, that's I hope my he, new name I for bet him. he has by somebody. <laughs> it I, sounds good coming from Mel. It does. It, but if I would have been like, and that's how you interview a sweet angel heart, it just wouldn't have had the same same oomph. No. I don't know. I I don't know how what how could you have I, to think it and feel it in order for it to sound right. It's like is that like you know like in the Polar Express how if you don't believe in Santa Claus you can't hear the bell. Yeah. Is it like that? Like if no. you don't feel it? Well, yes. Yes. If, if you don't inwardly feel and see the sweet angel hardness of somebody, <laughs> when you say it, it just comes out flat. But but what does the sweet angel hardness look like? There's no look. It's a feeling. You can only know it by its, it's kind of like the smell, you, you know, like <laughs> a certain kind of smell. You Like, okay, like bacon. Bacon has a very specific smell. Okay. So does sweet angel heart. Okay. Yeah. Can you smell what Justin Coochie's cooking? It's, it's like kind of like marshmallows no. and vanilla and like springtime. All right. I'm down all right, for like all that. of those scents. Okay. 
I also it also comes to mind as like new baby smell. Like yeah, people always want to smell a baby. Well, I don't know head. if Justin smells like a new baby. <laughs> no, I don't think he's been a, he's been around for a hot minute. But <laughs> <laughs> babies are new because they there's nothing. <laughs> they have no toxicity. They've got no no nothing. They're perfect. So if you forgot from the beginning of the episode, go to ediblebeats.com and check out everything that's going on. If you live in the Denver area. You've got check out what they're cooking. Fucking five amazing restaurants to go check out. Linger, Root Down, Vital Root, L5, and Ophelia's. And if you go to the website right now, there's even a button on there to order Thanksgiving dinner. So, I mean, Do it. can you imagine like your family flies in from Botswana or wherever they're from and they get to your house and you've got food from edible beets on the table for Thanksgiving, like some amazing farm to table stuff and you could even be like yeah i've been slaving over the stuff yeah you get rid of all the uh, well you would have to slave over to heat it up a little bit so you wouldn't be quite lying you could bust a mrs doubtfire yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) knew you knew where i was going yeah so hey everybody happy holidays Happy the holidays, holidays are not around the corner. Anymore. No, they're, they're here. here. They're they are here. And happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there. Yes. Today is Veterans Day. We want to take a moment to say thank, thank you, you. Yeah. Thank for your you. service. And then thank you again for your service, for being putting your life literally on the line. Or and on hold. At, exactly, and on hold for the time that you spent serving our country and... I just want to, I feel it, and I just want to say it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You veterans are a bunch of sweet angel hearts. Did I do okay? That was, yeah, that was pretty <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. That was pretty good. I mean, okay. yeah, it was a little bit of work, but I like how you use it right away. Okay, yeah. You get points. Um, <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. No slam dunk or anything, but yeah, you got points. You're on yeah, the board. Yeah, thank you're you. on the board for thank sure. God. Enjoy your Friday, everybody, and we're glad we could spend a little time with you today. We'll be back on Monday to ride to work with you and That's hang right. out. And just remember, smile. Smile yeah. a stranger. Enjoy your weekend. Take, take, it, care e- take it easy. Eat at that new restaurant. This is that time of year when the hustle and the bustle starts and people, like, everything starts to get hectic. Like, take a deep breath and roll into it it's casual. A good, that's a good reminder. A deep breath is always, always something to be had. Just say, take it uh, easy, man. Yeah. Fuck. Take Relax, it buddy. easy. Anyway, smile at a stranger. Safety third. Hydrate. Don't don't hustle. No bustle. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Be a be a sweet angel heart. We love you. We'll see you next on Monday. Bye.
Hey listeners, I want to tell you about the April-May 2023 issue of Relics Magazine. It features a Dave Matthews Band cover story with additional articles and interviews with The National, Graham Nash, Wayne Shorter, ALO, Ivan Neville, our friend Eric Krasno and Stanton Moore, Marty Stewart, and much more. Check out the latest version of Relics and subscribe now at relics.com slash DMB. Thanks, Relics. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? <laughs> so do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts? Thank you. <laughs> 